Sometimes the odds seem against us, but in this episode, you will learn how this one bold statement changed it all for Melanie Lockhart. Welcome to the Her Money Matters podcast, the preferred podcast by many women across the globe to help you take control of your finances. Join me, Jen Hempel, a motivational money coach and your host each week as I share with you practical, simple money insights and real life stories by women like you. Let's do it. Hello there, and I am so excited to have you join me today. I've got another special guest for you, and can you believe it's August already? And back to school is right around the corner, and this one is a little different for me because my oldest is starting high school. I'm bracing myself here because it's really hard for me to really swallow and really accept that fact. It's for you mamas listening, you know how fast just time flies and to see your kids grow so quickly. Oh my goodness. So I'm digressing here. So let me get back on track here. This guest is just fantastic. And in this episode, she shares the moment she realized the importance of money and how it followed with selling her parents CDs. You're going to learn what exactly happened when she signed up for a mint.com account to figure out how much debt she had. And you're going to learn about her bold declaration, which given the current income at the time made things seem unrealistic and what Goldilocks has to do with her biggest challenge as an entrepreneur. Let me share with you a little bit about Melanie Lockhart. Melanie is a personal finance author, event planner, and founder of the award-winning blog, Dear Debt. She paid off a total of $81,000 in student loans, which you're going to learn all about today. And you can find her at her blog at DearDebt.com and all over the social media with at DearDebtBlog. So let's go ahead and meet Melanie. Welcome, Melanie Locker, to the Her Money Matters podcast. I am thrilled to have you here and speak to you today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I am too. We've connected because of the FinCon community, and now I actually get to talk to you. And I wanted to start off getting to know you and your money story. How did you grow up around money? What did you experience? Maybe some of the conversations you heard, those type of things. Let's dig into that first. Yeah, that's so important. I think, you know, our money background and our money story really is something that can either work for us or against us. And for me, you know, money was not really talked about a lot when I was growing up, but I always had this sense that there wasn't a ton of it. You know, you kind of grow up not really knowing about money, but then you experience how other people live and you're like, huh, I think they have a different life than me. You know, we were always apartment renters Mm. and you know, I didn't even realize that people could buy houses. So I thought, oh, wow, people actually own their houses and and they have places to live. They don't live in a duplex apartment. Wow, interesting. My father was out of work for a a good chunk of my life. So that was another sort of family stressor. And, you know, my mom is the sole income earner and breadwinner. So that was something that kind of influenced my ideas around money. And then also I grew up 
working in the arts. So I have a big passion for singing and for theater. My degrees are actually in theater and performance study, which is where I took on a bunch of student loan debt. Nice. You know, I sort of grew up with this idea that, you know, if you're into the arts or you're interested in being creative at all, you're never going to make money. That being rich is greedy. It means you're a bad person. You know, I had all of these money stories that were really working against me and tainting my ability to make money and to have a great relationship with money. So tell us a little bit about some of those stories. So part of it is how you grew up, but can you go into detail, maybe some specific experiences or or memories that you have? Yeah, I remember, I think this is a, a pretty funny one. And I mention it in my book, Dear Debt is, you know, sort of the first time that I realized that money was important and that I wanted to earn more of it. So, you know, I was about 13 years old and I was like, how can I make some money? Because obviously money is important. Feels like, you know, my parents have enough to take care of us, but, you know, maybe not a lot. How can I make my own money so I can buy nachos at school and I can buy what I want? And so I went through my parents' CD collection and I said, they don't listen to this. They don't listen to this. They don't listen to this. I've never even seen them play this. And this was back in the day when Warehouse still existed. Mm-hmm. And, and I CDs, went to the, not records. Yeah, CDs. Yeah, I went back... <laughs> Um, I just dated myself. Sorry. <laughs> I went to the warehouse and took them a bag of CDs. And I think I made like eight or nine dollars or something from this bag of CDs. And I thought my parents will never find out. I made some extra cash. This feels awesome. And then sure enough, my parents did find out. They were like, where where did this one CD go? I knew I played it the other day. It was right here. And I had to come clean and definitely got in trouble. <laughs> Not okay. <laughs> and my parents were like, if if you want to earn money, like let, let's earn it in a different way. You can help around the house. Like we can discuss a way for you to earn money. Cause I didn't really have an allowance at that time um, or any, anything like that. Um, so that was one of my earliest money memories. That's, it's kind of fun joke about now, but definitely at the time, my parents were not too pleased. Of course not. And so what kind of things did you start doing to earn some money once you knew that the CDs, selling the CDs was not a good idea? You know what? I didn't really do much after that. I think I was sort of stuck after that. I wasn't really sure what to do. Um, you know, I know that a couple years later, I got my first part-time job, like right out of high school and started to earn my own money that way. And I think getting my first job was a really positive experience for me because I think earning your first dollar on your own is so formative and it's such an empowering experience, but it also in a way it can like be the beginning of the end of your financial journey because you're like, oh, wow, I'm starting to make money. I've never earned money before. What do I do with all of I'll this? I'll spend it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I love it. And now you shared your love for the um, for the arts, for singing and, mm-hmm. and those things. And I said nice, but right after I said nice, you said that that came into debt. So that wasn't nice about the debt. It was about your interest <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in the arts, which I think you gathered. But so you got yourself into $81,000 in debt. So tell us a little bit about, was this all school loans? Tell us a little bit about how that accumulated. Yeah, it was 100% student loans. I took out $23,000 for my bachelor's degree from Cal State Long Beach. Um, I got my bachelor's of arts in theater. And, you know, then I sort of worked in the nonprofit sector as a program director, working with inner city communities on their arts programming. So I had a really rewarding job. 
Um, I was only making $30,000 a year in Los Angeles at that point. And so I just treated my student loan debt as any other bill. Didn't really think about it, just paid the minimum. And then I had this great idea to go to grad school. You know, grad school was always on my bucket list. NYU was kind of always on this pedestal for me. I thought that would be so amazing if I went to NYU. And oddly enough, a few years later, I applied and I got in. And I was so shocked because I thought never in a million years would I have gotten into NYU. And so I grappled for a long time. Should I continue to just pay off the debt that I have now? Or should I take on a bunch more? And mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sure you know where the story is going, but I, I, I did end up going to NYU and I took out an additional $58,000 in student loan debt. And that was for a one year intensive program in one performance year. studies. It's New York though, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not, not my, not my wisest decision, but I was incredibly stubborn at the time. Like no one could tell me anything. I was dead set on going to NYU, to living in New York and doing this program. And I just thought the world will be my oyster afterwards. Yes, I was majoring in the arts, but I already had a great nonprofit experience working with inner city youth, um, directing programs and working in after school programs. I thought I'll work at a national nonprofit on arts policy, arts programming, And that's not how my life turned out (laughs) afterwards, but I'm pretty happy with the outcome so far. You know, I'm, I'm debt free now and I'm, I'm working in a different field. I'm a freelance writer and an event planner and, you know, student loan debt was my big blessing and my big curse. (laughs) Crazy. So tell us a little bit about how you paid it off because you wrote a book about it. So obviously something about that debt, um, you know, of course, it was $81,000 of debt, something really, really affected you or like hit really hard, on, mm-hmm. uh, hit you hard. So tell us a little bit about how you paid off that debt. And then afterwards, I'd love to know why you wrote that book. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so as I said, I met I, I borrowed a total of $81,000 in student loan debt. But by the time I graduated from NYU in May 2011, I had already been paying it for five years, paying just the minimum. But even after five years of payments, I still had $68,000 left. And I had this sort of aha wake up moment where I graduated from NYU. I knew I had a lot of student loan debt, but I wasn't really sure how much I had. I knew I was making payments on it for five years. And so I signed up for a mint.com account and I synced all my loans. I synced my bank account and I saw the number. And I saw $68,000 and I panicked. I had a legit panic attack. And a few days later, I just deleted the account. And I was like, nope, not dealing with this. I don't have that much debt. Like, this can't be real. This is not true. And I just pretended it didn't exist. And six months later, my grace period on my student loans was coming to a close. I still hadn't secured full-time work in New York And I just had this sort of wake up moment where I realized I could not afford to live in New York and pay my student loans. And so I chose to move to Portland, Oregon. My partner was there at the time. So we were doing long distance. So there was, you know, other motives there as well besides Mm -hmm. just financial. But it did help me decrease my rent, cut my rent in half. Mm -hmm. But the thing was, is that I wasn't ready to leave New York. And I kind of felt forced out of leaving New York. And, you know, I think there comes a moment where debt can really rule your life and really affect your life choices. And that was when I really, I truly realized that I am a slave to debt and it's going to affect all my choices until it's gone. 
And so once I arrived in Portland, I just said I have to get out. But that first year in Portland was really hard. I couldn't find a job there either. I was making 10 to $12 an hour, you know, doing temp work for the first year. I was on food stamps, which was something I never thought would have happened. And, you know, a very humbling experience for me. And then not until two years after I graduated, did I finally get a full-time job making $30,000 as an events and program coordinator. But, you know, during that time, hitting rock bottom, you know, I, I felt so low about my debt. I felt guilt for taking on so much debt. I felt shame for taking on so much debt and not having a job to show for it. I felt mad at myself. You know, I felt like my self-worth was equated with my net worth and I was deep in debt. I was in a very low place. And so in January, 2013, I decided to start my blog, Dear Debt. And it was really to keep myself accountable in the debt payoff process. I wrote my first post January 3rd, 2013. And at that time I had $57,000 left. And I said, I don't know how it's going to happen, but I'm going to pay off my debt in four years. And at that time I was making $12 an hour. So realistically there was no way I was going to pay it off in four years. But as I said, I said, I don't know how, but I'm going to pay it off in four years. And since that declaration and since starting the accountability blog, everything changed. I started side hustling as a freelance writer. I started doing social media and editing. Um, you know, this whole other world of side hustles became open to me. I mean, at that point I was already doing offline side hustles like brand ambassador work, pet sitting, babysitting, mother's helper. Um, I was an event assistant at a church. There were so many different things I was doing offline that blogging really just opened up this whole online side hustles. And so much so that, a year after finding the job that I was so desperate to find, I actually quit that job because my side hustles online were going so well. They were matching my nonprofit income. And I knew that if I freed up that time, I would be able to earn more. And it's not a traditional story, but quitting Mm -hmm. my nonprofit job and becoming self-employed actually earned me enough to pay off the last of my debt in 2015. Oh my goodness, that's wonderful. And I wanted to go back to one statement that you said, when you started your blog, you made a declaration uh, that you were going to get out of this debt in four years. And it took how long? It actually took three Three. years after that. Three years. it, It was a year ahead of schedule. And like I said, a lot of twists and turns to my story. I finally got the job. Then I quit the job that I was so desperate to find, but actually being self employed helped me earn more money. um, Because as I said, the nonprofit job was only making Mm $30,000. In that first year of self-employment, I was able to make at least $60,000. So I essentially doubled my income and was able to put all of that money towards debt. Beautiful. But in, in, in that declaration, and that's something that's so key, I think that we need to bring up too. you made the declaration, even though you also said, you were only making, I think you said about $12 an hour. So mm-hmm. in that in that sense, it wasn't realistic. But you had already, you made that declaration and you believed it. And I think a lot mm-hmm. of people look at their present situation and already decide it's not possible versus mm-hmm. really believing in themselves and just making an admission to do it. Because once you, you know, I think you can agree. And obviously you're a testament to it. You open mm-hmm. up your mind mm-hmm. to the possibilities of what could happen. Uh, it was just allowing that to flow in versus looking at your present situation and saying, oh, it's not possible. <laughs> right. Exactly. So I think that was that is just so powerful. So and then when did the book writing happen? So you got out of debt 
took you three years versus four. You quit your job, amazing, doubled your income with your side hustles. And so why did you decide to write this book? So yeah, a crazy thing happened. So as I said, I started my blog in January, 2013. And in Late 2015, I had won Best Debt Blog at the Plutus Awards, which was, you know, a great accomplishment. And then a publisher contacted me shortly after and said, we saw that you won Best Debt Blog. We'd love to turn your blog into a book. I said, really? (laughs) You, You want to turn my blog into a book? That's crazy. And, you know, it was an opportunity that I couldn't refuse. And so, you know, I spent a lot of 2016 writing this book, you know, of course, there are some of the signature dear debt letters, which are the breakup letters to debt that you'll find on my site um, there in the book. But the book really reads as part memoir, part actionable advice and part dear debt letters. The dear debt letters, you know, are these fun, creative, sometimes heartbreaking breakup letters to debt. And so it's kind of an, an interesting journey. It's not necessarily your traditional finance book, but I think it's a good fit for people that are in any kind of debt because, it shares my personal story. You know, mm-hmm. I wasn't, you know, making six figures right off the bat. You know, I wasn't, you know, doing all these crazy things. I was really struggling and to find my way. And then I still did it. And, you know, I think the Dear Debt letters bring a, a fun, personalized touch to it. And I, I'm just so proud of the book. And, and it was released in August 2016. So, Absolutely. you know, I've, I've been riding that wave and just been so happy to share it with the world and have gotten some great initial feedback so far. Awesome. Awesome. And since this journey, you've had so much success. uh, And I congratulate you for everything you have achieved up to now, because I'm sure there's more to come. Uh, (laughs) What would you say currently are your challenges are with money? My challenges with money right now, you know, being self employed is always sort of figuring out what is the minimum that I need? and How can I achieve that? You know, I work in a services based business where I'm a freelance writer and an event planner. So I don't I don't have a product based model. I have a services based model. And when you're working in a services based model, there are a lot of things that you can't control. There's been a lot of client changes this year. There's been a lot of different directions with the new year. And as a business owner, it's just important to sort of roll with the punches and sort of the feast or famine that can, you know, be self-employment. So for me, it's about having confidence in myself, regardless of what happens and always trying to innovate and sort of getting back into that early mindset when I was 13 and thinking, how can I make money? (laughs) Maybe not uh, sell my parents stuff, but sort of having that innovative mind as a business owner and an entrepreneur, how can I make money? How can I make money? What new things can I do to make sure that I am paying my rent? I have food, I'm paying my taxes, I'm saving for retirement. Because now that I'm debt free, it's really important for me to catch up for lost time. Mm -hmm. I didn't really save a lot or invest when I was paying off debt. And that is one of my regrets, actually, because I'm 32 now and I have a lot of catching up to do. You have time. Uh, It's doable. You know, I'm definitely um, making some good progress so far. But before we jump into today's content, keep your ears peeled for a unique reveal I'll be sharing midway through the show. It's something special just for you. But, you know, like I said, I'm self-employed, so you you don't make the same amount of money each month. So mm-hmm. that's something that I'm dealing with. And then also just sort of on the business side, like what is OK to spend for business and what's not like how much should you be spending? You know, it's just kind mm-hmm. of this tricky thing. So I think some people 
get into this mode of like always investing in themselves, but then they don't take home anything. And I think that can be a dangerous yes, trap. Absolutely. But then I think for so long I've been in this bootstrap shoestring where it's like, I'm not going to spend any money on my business. And then that's hurt me also. So trying to find that Goldilocks level of this is just right. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. And it is so true. It is a challenge because yes, it's good to invest in yourself, but there's so many opportunities to invest. And if you don't apply what you learn, it's not gonna do you any good. So I think it's a matter of for me, what I've learned, because I've been guilty Uh, of that where what I've learned is that it's a matter of what stage you're in in your business and your life and what really will work what will help at this moment in time to get you to that next level and that's then that consider to invest in but not what you know what's the trend or what's you know those type of things because I've learned the hard way (laughs) because I've been there (laughs) and done that so I think it's just and also on the other side like you know, as far as invest for like your education on your in your business, but on the other side, investing too on help. Um, Mm -hmm. Because you especially in those services, you know, there's things that only fall on you, but really, how much you know, when do you start investing? And you know, Mm -hmm. depending on like the income coming in, it it is it it is some some tough decisions for sure. So I, I hear you. And who would you say influenced you the most in the area of money? You know what? I I feel like I didn't have a ton of great uh, money role models, to be honest. But I have to say that my mom has inspired me a lot in regards to work ethic. As I said, she's the sole income earner in my family, and she has really gotten herself into a wonderful sort of life situation. She uh, is one of six kids, and she was raised by a single mom and uh, grew up much, much poorer than I did. And, you know, I'm really inspired by her ability to really transform her life into this successful career, into managing her money, into, you know, doing all of these things and just being a hard worker and being invested in her life. So I think having that dedication and sort of that role model of hard work has been applied to my money, which has helped me make money, if that makes sense. Yes, love it. And you've mentioned, um, besides being a freelance writer, you're also an event planner. And you have an event up in Portland that's coming up, uh, the Lola Retreat. So can you tell us a little bit about what that is, who it's for, and when it's happening? Yeah, Lola Retreat is a women and money retreat happening this summer in Portland, Oregon. It's happening from August 18th to the 20th. And uh, my colleague, Emma Patty, and I are hosting it and it's our first year. And we're super excited to create this space where women can talk intimately about money. And, you know, it's millennial focus. So, of course, anyone can come. We're open to all ages. You know, anyone that is passionate about women and money. You know, we definitely want to create a space where we're empowering women to come together to learn from each other and offer that accountability. And also, really have hands-on workshops where women can actually learn how to invest, how to budget, how to pay off debt. You know, I feel like there's so much information out there, but sometimes we need that extra step of here are the actual steps to Mm -hmm. do it. And we're going to do it together in a room, you know, where we're all learning from each other. We're going to have a money mindset session with a financial therapist, Amanda Klayman, which I'm really excited about. I think that's going, that's going to be really unique because I think 
one of the things that holds people back is their money mindset and their behaviors that are sometimes even unconscious or subconscious. So I think that section will be really great. And we also have a couples counselor as well, because we know love and money Mm -hmm. can be such a huge (laughs) conflict. So, and it was really interesting in our initial talks with her, you know, she said, all problems with love and money have to do with power dynamics. So I'm really interested in having that session and learning (laughs) from it myself. And, uh, you know, we're really hoping to create a hands-on experience for women that they can come out of it having feeling empowered over their money and feeling like they know what to do for the next steps because we know the information's out there but we need to create the community and the accountability aspect of that so we're really excited about it um you know it's a big endeavor it's been yes, such huge. a <laughs> learning experience and such a you know emotional roller coaster i'll just say that i bet, uh, I bet. you know the, the highs and the lows of of planning something and you know, some days are like, oh my gosh, this is the best thing ever. This is so exciting. And then some days are like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. And this is hard. And <laughs> Welcome to entrepreneurship, I, right? <laughs> I feel so much pressure. And ah, so, but, but we're, we're really excited about it. And, you know, we're, we just can't wait to meet the attendees and really try to empower women because it's something that I think is very needed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we, we have gotten some questions about like, well, why are you doing a women only event? Why aren't, why aren't men invited? And you know, I, I just like to ask a, you why women, I just, <laughs> I just like to address that because, you know, we're not being reverse sexist as some people might say, you know, I did get a comment about that. Like you're, you're just being reverse sexist, oh, wow. which, um, that, that's not what we're doing. It's not our intention, but you know, there are studies, several studies out there that when women are in a group with men, and men are talking, um, you know, they take up a lot more time when it comes to talking in a room full of women and men. And then also women get interrupted more frequently. And so we just want to create a space where we're not interrupting each other, where there's no kind of fear of other people sort of, you know, taking more space and just creating a place where we can talk about our unique issues and experiences without, um, you know, men being in the room. And that's not to say that we don't like men or that we don't love men. You know, this is, this is absolutely not a male bashing session. And I just want to make that very clear because some people think like, oh, women only, like this must be like some weird feminist male bashing thing. Absolutely not. (laughs) No, and I hear you. And that's like the podcast is called Her Money Matters. Of course, his money matters too, but it's the language. It's, it's how we communicate with each other. I mean, what is it? Men are from Mars and women are from Venus. I yes. mean, it, it's we're we're different. Just like you know, men have their you know outings together as men. Women do too. There's a different environment. There's a different culture, if you will, or a different feel uh, to everything. And there's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely yeah. not. And I completely support what you're doing. That's one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the show, because if you're listening and you're near Portland in the area, I'll have the link to this retreat and the show notes uh, for you. Uh, but definitely get out there and connect with others and really learn from these experts in different areas that they're going to have there, because I think it's just so important. So I wanted to throw that out there for those of you listening, if you're in the area or if you, if you want to fly out there. It's, but um, I just wanted to make sure that you are aware of this event, because as I always tell you, Get, uh, you know, tap into the resources around you and see what really resonates with you most because it's it's important. 
Yes. So I am glad you uh, came on, Melanie. I was excited to have you here. This has been such a treat just talking to you, connecting with you, and learning more about you, uh, your story, and the retreat (laughs) as well. So thank uh, you so much for having me. It's been a blast. It has. So I you and your podcast rock. So oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. So as you know, this podcast is about making money simple and taking control of it. So how would you? finish this sentence her money matters because her money matters because it can lead to choices love it perfect well thanks again melanie and i know we'll connect again soon thank you so much So what did you think of that one? Wasn't that awesome? I really enjoyed speaking with Melanie and all that she shared was just fantastic. And I want to dig deeper into that one bold declaration to that declaration that she made public to the whole world and that really changed it all for her. But before I do that, as usual, I like to do my weekly shout out. Now, if you recall, Once we hit 100 episodes, we had a celebration. And part of that celebration was me giving away some free 15-minute coaching calls. So I've been following up with those that signed up for the calls and seeing it's basically accountability, making sure that what we talked about, that the actions that I gave them to implement, that they've implemented. So I'm not naming names, but I got in one of the emails that I got back. I want to read to you uh, because it shows to the power of what you can do in about 30 days, right? So she writes in, hi, Jen, hope you're having a good, uh, enjoying your summer. I was able to put your suggestions into practice so much so that we were able to make a small trip. Now, mind you, I know they haven't done that in a while. Before that, that wouldn't have happened. I've made plans for the supplemental income, which she was having challenges with, and also appreciated the suggestion to make plans for the money I no longer have to pay that credit card. That's sometimes those simple uh, suggestions make a difference because what's right in front of your eyes, you may not necessarily see because of everything that is going on, right? So then she goes on to say, I don't know how else to thank you, your podcast, along with the Facebook group. It has helped me so much. Thanks a thousand times. So I want to congratulate her. One, because she took and implemented those tips. It was just a 15-minute call. Now, I'm not saying I have this magical wand or anything because, yes, I gave her some guidance, but she's the one that had to take it and put it to work. So I just wanted to share that with you and congratulate her. And really, I'm, I'm really proud of those. I, there's some other emails that I've been getting as well uh, from of the progress that they've made since our call. So I just wanted to share that with you because uh, I just it makes it just really makes me smile huge and makes my day just to see things shifting when for people when people were stuck before. So love it. And we want to celebrate that. So I am celebrating with you. Now let's go on to Melanie's bold statement and really why this worked. So if you recall, she wanted to pay off, it was approximately $50,000 in debt in four years, at least at this time when she was mentioning it. And from outside looking in, it didn't look realistic, being that she was making, I believe it was about $30,000 a year. So of course, from that $30,000, she has to pay rent and her living expenses. Now, with this, she made this bold declaration that she want, she was going to pay this debt off in four years. So again, from outside looking in, 
didn't look like it was realistic. It didn't look like it was possible. And she was able to do this because she didn't focus on the present situation. She didn't focus on finding solutions just on the present situation. She expanded her mind and focused on really thinking outside of the box, if you will, outside of her current situation to see what other po- uh, possibilities, what other solutions were there out there, whether they re- seem realistic or not. It's not about making sure that it's realistic. It's about putting those possibilities down on paper and then worrying about if they'll work later. Just try them out. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But you don't want to negate yourself the possibilities from deciding beforehand that things aren't going to work. So don't focus your solutions solely based on the present situation. Rather, expand your mind and focus on brainstorming all the possible solutions Again, whether they're real, they seem realistic or not, it doesn't matter at the time. Worry about the how to do it later. Just focus on the possibilities now. And also there's that famous Bible verse from Matthew where it states, ask and it will be given to you. Now, I'm not trying to put my faith on you. It's just a book, right? It's the Bible. But there's a power, a lot of power in that statement that if you ask it will be given to you, whether it is in your faith to your higher power, whether it's to more of the universe, because some people do that, whatever they may, it may be, think about that. You ask, it's, and I've talked about it in other episodes, you when you're having a bad Monday, if you will, and you say, oh, what else is going on? You're basically asking for other things to go wrong. So it's the same Hey, it's the same thing in this case where you ask and it will be given to you. So you ask, how am I going to pay this debt off? Doesn't matter if it seems like unreasonable. Doesn't matter if just maybe you're not, don't feel like you're making enough. She made that public declaration and got to work. She didn't let her current situation limit, limit her. She had this unwavering belief that allowed her to do this. And it wasn't four years. She was, she made it happen in three years. Okay. Now I know that too many people allow their current situation to limit them to move forward. Like we don't make enough. We don't have a, or we maybe have a problem with spending. We have too much debt. We'll never get out and so on. So don't let those things or what your current situation seems to be to limit you. Think outside the box of your current situation And write down those, I challenge you to brainstorm and write those possibilities because look at what happened with Melanie. She declared it, made the uh, declaration. She had an unwavering belief. She got to work. She was able to generate and create other income for herself and was able to pay that debt off even in a shorter amount of time than she had set out to, which is fantastic. So when you hear, when you're thinking or hearing yourself or uh, say things like we don't make enough, it's impossible for this to to happen for us. Uh, We are not going to be able to make this happen. Whatever those negative thoughts, that's fear talking. That's basically saying you're accepting your situation as it is. And guess what? You don't have to accept it. You can change it to your favor. Trust me, you can change it to your favor. You need an unwavering belief in yourself. And 
if you don't have it, if you still don't feel like you have it, surround yourself with someone who would hold that torch for you until, until you're ready. Maybe that's an accountability partner. Maybe it's a coach, someone like me that can help you through that situation. So all of this is all to say is that you can do this, that it doesn't matter your current situation. Things can change. Life is about choices. Life is about possibilities, even though they may not seem realistic, you are in control and you are really the one that holds that torch of unwavering belief of basically an unstoppable way of being. And you can do that. So I wanted to share that with you. I want, because I know some people are, you know, maybe you're listening and you're feeling stuck and you just need a little push. So I'm here to push you to think for you to think outside of your current situation and get to work, write down, I challenge you, write down all the possibilities of how you can make it happen. How, and just, and if it, if you're getting stuck on that, just, you are probably thinking you're probably fear is talking right? You probably, you have some other thoughts. So you need to stop those thoughts, do what you have to do and start asking the right questions and the right questions. And what I mean by the right questions is asking yourself how it's framing the questions in a positive tone. Like for example, how can I pay this off in five years? How can I pay this off in three years? How can I pay this off? in I don't know, in a year, if you're talking about debt. And of course, this could be for, for other things. Maybe you want to increase your savings. This is not just talking about debt. This maybe you haven't been able to fully fund your emergency fund like you wanted to. It can be any of those sort of things. So always ask, how can I? And that allows your brain, your brain is going to work to help you if you allow it, but that your brain is going to work for you in the sense of how you're guiding it, right? So how you are guiding it is with your thoughts, with your beliefs. So change your thoughts, change those beliefs, and your brain will help you work wonders. So that is enough. I feel like I've been rattling on and on about this. Next week, I'll be back with a solo episode. It will be just me talking about some frustration I have been hearing continuously in regards to those debt story headlines that seem nearly impossible. So if this is you, I will be addressing this and what you can do about it so you can have your own celebration and your debt payoff story to share. So that is a wrap for today. I want to thank Melanie for joining us, uh, for being so transparent and just sharing her story. You can check out the show notes on where to find Melanie over at jenhemphill.com forward slash 109. And also don't forget, if you love this episode, if this episode really resonated with you, I encourage you to share it with a friend. I send it in text. It's easy to do. Uh, because sometimes you just don't know when someone needs to hear what's in an episode, whether, whether it's this one or another episode. So you can be helping someone, a friend, a relative, uh, maybe even a stranger just by sharing it without knowing that you're helping them. So I challenge you to do that. Thanks again for joining me. Thanks again for your support. And I will talk to you again next Thursday. 